All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. Pizza Mind here. And I'm joined today by Matej Jack, the Chief Product Officer at Trezor, uh, everyone's favorite hardware wallet, uh, mine especially. So very happy to have him on today and get to learn some more about best practices of being a self-custodian of one's wealth. Matej, welcome. How are you doing? Hey, pleasure meeting you. Um, it's been great. Uh, well, besides all the things that's happening in, in Europe, as you know, but yeah. What's happening? Is it the uh, basketball playoffs over there? Is Turkey not winning? <laughs> well, it's a little more serious than that, but... <laughs> oh, it must yeah, be hockey playoffs. I, I get that completely. <laughs> well, very good. Where are you calling in from? Uh, I'm in. I'm based in Prague, and as, as is the company. Based in Prague? Based in Prague, Czech Republic, yes. I hear, I hear that's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I hope to be able to come visit someday very soon and enjoy it. It is, and, and, and when you do, uh, give us a call and we will uh, give you a tour around the office. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, let's learn a little bit more about your background, who you are, what were you doing before you got started building this amazing, you know, product at Trezor? So actually, uh, my career started off as a musician, uh, which is kind of unexpected, I guess, in, in this in this career choice. But um, I kind of progressed towards startups, basically, in IT. Uh, I founded a few of my own startups and companies that I was interested in, like products that I wanted to uh, build. And, you know, one thing led to another. And here I am at, at Trezor. So basically, um, I met the founders. Uh, they were looking for some product leaders. And since product management is like the thing that I love the most, it was a easy transition to uh, to Trezor and, and Bitcoin. That's awesome. Let's talk about a really, really high level first. What is, I mean, Trezor is what we would call a cold wallet or a hardware wallet. What is the difference between a soft wallet, hard wallet, hot wallet? We hear all these terms being thrown around all the time. Can you define some of the differences for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, and basically that, that is the key value proposition that Trezor as a product and as a company brings to the world and was actually one of the first or actually the very first one that, that brought this uh, to the world. And that is the fact that it stores uh, your private keys offline in, in a offline storage. And that is the key difference between the hard wallets and what you hear, you know, hard, hardware wallets or cold storage, as you mentioned. So the key difference is that the keys, the private keys that you need to access, uh, you know, Bitcoin or, or other networks uh, are stored offline. So they never, they, they really can't be stolen from like your online activity or anything. Uh, unlike, for example, you know, exchanges such as Coinbase or or Binance or, or whatever else, whatever ex other exchange you uh, the um, uh, you know your listeners might know, um, usually you have the keys stored on some you know server that is run by the company, which is not the case of Treasure. So it's kind of like if you've got a hardware wallet, it's sort of like just having your own wallet with cash in your back pocket. Versus using an exchange, it's like putting your crypto in a bank and they take care of it for you. Is that right? Exactly. That is exactly right. So we we sometimes say, um, or you would hear one of these claims that 
uh, you're basically your, being your own bank when you have yeah. uh, these, these private keys in your like, self-custody, meaning you are your own sort of lord <laughs> of the keys and you, you are in charge of them. Uh, and, you know, that brings sort of rights and responsibilities as well. Uh, so you need to be careful how you treat these. Uh, and Jezor hardware and the whole ecosystem, the software part we built as well, helps you to do that in, in a proper and safe way. Safe way. Sorry. And I would think it's a really good thing to note. The crypto exchanges are not exactly banking grade secure. You know, they don't really have those kinds of standards as banks do. They don't have a tried and true reputation of using the same code for the last 50 years. So there's a lot of hacks that can happen that are almost like a bank getting robbed and the vault getting drained of all the cash and gold. So if you are in a country where this happens regularly, maybe you don't keep your money in a bank. You keep it under your mattress or in a shoebox or buried in your backyard. And it's really important to think of crypto the same way in this early stage of our industry. What are some of the pros of keeping your money on an exchange though? You know, I would probably say uh, since, you know, even your, your parallel audience is, is mainly, you know, aimed at, at, the, at the novices of, the, of, the, of Bitcoin and, and crypto in general. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say it's, it's, it's fine to go on an exchange and, you know, buy your first Bitcoin and, and try to experience with things, at least, you know, to get to learn, you know, learn how, how things work, how you feel about certain processes and about like, Basically, yeah, exchanging fiat for for crypto or for Bitcoin, but once you perhaps amass, you know, like a certain volume uh, of Bitcoin on on these exchanges, it's definitely recommended to to move it to a cold storage because, as you say, uh, and there are many many cases, exchanges get hacked all the time, <laughs> whereas hardware wallets don't get hacked as much or it's, it's, it's close to impossible or you need uh, like a super specialized hardware to do so and, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Coinbase's cold storage is a much larger attack vector than your own treasure that's sitting in a safe somewhere. <laughs> so that definitely right. makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about what a wallet is itself, because I think there's a, like even just the term wallet is really confusing. People will think, you know, well, if I lose my wallet or it gets uninstalled, I've lost all of my crypto. Is it actually storing my crypto in there and it needs to connect to the blockchain for anyone to see my balance? And I think that's a big misunderstanding. You know, what really is a wallet in relation to blockchain? Yeah, it's a very good question because uh, that is something that we try to explain to our users uh, all the time, or especially the, the the new users that come to our ecosystem. So Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are not stored on the hardware itself. The hardware itself just stores the private keys, as I mentioned, and the public keys that are derived from it. And you can think of, of the public keys as sort of your you know account number, like if you compare it to a bank account. So that's basically like the public information that you can you can share with people, and then. Uh, funds can be sent to the certain address, but Bitcoin is stored on the network. It's not, um, it's not technically stored in the hardware itself. The hardware just helps you uh, to access it, to connect to it, to sign transactions. And, and again, we also develop like software that helps you manage all this in like a, in like a user-friendly way. So you, you know, 
as you would with sort of your online banking or like your banking software, you would open a, uh, you know, a UI and you would manage all these things, your portfolio basically and transactions. I remember when I started in crypto, every coin had to have its own wallet. And if they didn't, like you were just laughed at as like this weird imitator, like and the developer who couldn't even make their own wallet. And it was so inconvenient. I had to get like, you know, 15 or 20 different wallets on my desktop and keep them open and keep the nodes synced. And it was this huge pain in the ass because everything was always Linux native and it wouldn't work on Windows until like two years into the project's creation. It was so annoying. And then people started thinking there's got to be a better way and started somehow combining several blockchains into one user interface. And it was this great aha moment that said, hey, we don't need to keep reinventing the wheel. We can just use this. It works great. How do you guys at Trezor decide which blockchains to integrate into your product? Are there any specific keys uh, or metrics that you guys look at, or is it all just user demand? How do you guys figure this out? Yeah, I would say it's the it's the million dollar question for us for sure. It is something that we still try to optimize. Uh, we don't like to be honest. We don't really uh, hear or like um, how to say fulfill these uh, requests from the from the community. I would say as much because there's really a lot of lot of new new networks coming in and new new sort of altcoins being uh, created every time. And I honestly no no. Like most of these are not doesn't have really value to not, not to the users, not to us as a company, to be honest, because it's really hard to maintain them and to implement them. So our really key focus is on on uh, privacy and security in this sense. So we like everything that's related to Bitcoin, of course, that's the number one, uh, but also uh, other networks that some somehow brings. Uh, or improves this like use cases for the users. So the the ones that are the, the networks that are uh, that have some for example private privacy enhancing features are the ones that we we would prefer to implement before before anything that's just like yet another altcoin. That's real interesting. So you have like a market sector that you want to support. I think that's really cool. Exactly. And privacy definitely needs that. So thank you first of all. But as far as like popularity and what people are really into these days. I mean, we just can't ignore NFTs. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Dow voting, how can that be handled through a hardware wallet? So, uh, in in our own case, we don't in we we don't support these things in our interface uh, that we call Trezor Suite, which is basically like I said, uh, it's a desktop and and soon to be also a mobile app where you manage all these like things. Uh, but um, you can also connect Trezor with other third party. You know, software such as MetaMask, and MetaMask is probably the place where you would manage your NFTs, and they provide much you know better jobs for sort of like managing these. We just provide the well, just as I quote unquote, but because it's the, the most important part. But uh, the hardware again uh, secures the the private keys and helps you to to keep everything uh, safely. Uh, but there are other third parties, uh, sort of wallets or or interfaces, let's say where you manage uh, NFTs. So let me get this straight. You've got the little Trezor device, which provides a security layer, and it can connect Mm -hmm. to really any UI that's built for it. One being the Trezor suite, another being MetaMask, and then so on and so on. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's great. Okay, cool. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. How can Trezor help with a lot of the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. I know we we kind of teased it a little bit earlier in the talk, but whether it's protesters in Canada or, you know, people in Russia right now that are good law-abiding citizens that are suddenly finding themselves unable to access their bank accounts or people in Ukraine that are fleeing and having to leave everything behind, how can Trezor benefit all of these people? You know, I think it's very topical, obviously. Um, when you see what happens uh, or what's happening to the, uh, you know, currency in, in Russia, basically, which is plummeted uh, from one day to another, uh, Bitcoin in general, uh, because it's not just Trezor. Trezor is like a, is a part of something bigger that's called Bitcoin, uh, and so we we help you know secure the funds there, of course. And I mean, this is like a sterile example of of. Like the users of, of Bitcoin and Trezor are probably much better situated now in, in Russia than, uh, you know, than the ones that, that ha- haven't been using uh, like Bitcoin and Trezor. So because, like I said, because of all these things that, that happen um, to Rubo. So, um, and well, I, I guess the, the key um, point here is the philosophy of Bitcoin uh, is is uh, to bridge borders or to to exist above borders and above uh, the like local economical situations, sort of uh, or crisis even in this case. And and I guess that's that's the key message that we are that we are trying to uh, tell to the world and through our products and services. By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. And you might have even already started investing in them. But did you know that you could invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? 
Uh, that's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. So iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use and it only takes a few minutes to create your account. And setting up an IRA is free and iTrust's fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. And with iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. So visit itrust.capital slash crypto 101 to start investing today. Again, that's itrust.capital slash crypto 101. Taxes and conditions may apply, fees apply, and cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss, and iTrust Capital Incorporated does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. I would ask you if you've seen an uptick in product demand since the world lost its mind but where on the timeline would you really point to that occurring at any time over the past several years? But, you know, just recently, have you seen an uptick in demand? Well, definitely it was 2017 was the first one. Uh, I think it was even before when I joined the company, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think it was even before. Uh, and the last one was definitely last year. Uh, I think last year was the, was the big year of, of Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies. So that's, that's the biggest uptick. Yeah, so I guess these two years are the significant ones. <laughs> yeah, it's been really, really crazy. What else does Trezor integrate with that the average person might not think of? I would say you could probably, because it's the, the device itself, it also helps you to sign uh, messages, for example. You can use it as a uh, like a authenticator, as a, as a device that helps you authenticate certain services. And in general, like, we also have a product that's called Password Manager, so you can also manage, basically encrypt any any kind of uh, information. So that is something that the Trezor does as well. But still, the focus for us is the is you know the support of new money being Bitcoin, uh, and so we try to bring to the users the sort of the best user experience that we can. Yeah, that makes sense. Can people use it with their mobile wallets or is it just desktop only? So we we have sort of, sort of like a, we have desktop app and web app as well. The web is uh, also as a as a mobile version, but I mean it's not like extreme it's like a, not a native app or anything. We are actually in the process right now to start developing a mobile app uh, directly uh, that you could connect to Trezor with. Uh, it will be a, an Android app. And eventually an IOS app as well. That's great. We're seeing a lot of uh, software wallets now trying to integrate exchange features, staking features, all kinds of stuff going on. What kind of challenges does that present to you guys on the back end for security? Is it just a couple extra features you need to build or is it a, a huge, huge undertaking? So uh, for us, like supporting new currencies or new networks 
Uh, it is hard. I, I, I won't lie. It's because you need to support it on the hardware part as well as the software part. And these networks, you know, bear in mind, keep being like developed and, and enhanced. So basically we need to, we keep, we keep maintaining those as well. So that is definitely some work related to it as well. When it comes to, you know, uh, new exchanges or like exchanges and maybe some buy, sell, uh, and like all these features, we actually support those within the Jezzer ecosystem as well. So, uh, you know, Jezzer suite uh, was mentioned uh, earlier. So for the new users or, or even like experienced ones that you can actually buy uh, an exchange and, and do all these things within the ecosystem itself. And it's probably the safest way because it's sort of uh, under, you know, our management or I mean, under our own security guardship, <laughs> to put it that way. So we, we check that everything that when, when, once you connect to the exchange, we make sure that the address that, uh, you will receive the funds for, for to, uh, is actually generated by, by Trezor and you check it with the device on the screen itself. And, uh, so it's probably the most secure, I would say. There's a lot of regulatory rumors from international bodies that offer quote unquote guidance since they don't have any authority to make laws, but um, they don't like non-custodial wallets. They don't want people to be their own banks. They want people to keep their money and their crypto in banks where they can be fully controlled and audited and taxed and all that stuff. And they're trying to pass guidance uh, saying that exchanges cannot even accept funds from non-custodial wallets unless there's some kind of KYC there. How does that affect Trezor and its users if that actually comes to pass? Yeah, so, uh, well, you can still send or or use, you know, uh, well, one of the main use cases in, in Trezor ecosystem, is, I guess, is what's called hodling. So basically, uh, you get the Bitcoin there and you you keep it there. And so sort of wait, <laughs> you, don't, you don't send it anywhere, you don't trade with it. We also... Um, built a new feature uh, or almost like a product itself, which is called CoinJoin, that helps you to make transactions. So you don't really, you, you can't really tell where the transaction comes from. So if it gets subjected to like a Bitcoin, uh, sort of like a blockchain analysis, it, it really makes it impossible for the, for the person that would like to know like who owns what uh, to, to, tell, to, to tell so because it's, this is basically like a mixture that helps you to do that. And, you know, like, I, I won't lie, like the, the um, uh, sort of the red tape on, on, on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is raising. We can, we can, we can feel that. But on the other side, um, I don't think we will ever be uh, like a subject to, or we, I mean, we won't do any, anything that would be like KYC related or like that it would be like subject to a KYC. I think that's, that's, <laughs> I think you'd rather stop doing uh, <laughs> like, uh, what do we do? Uh, well, it's maybe an exaggeration, but like, uh, we don't really want to give um, the government any, uh, any inform like any information that, about our users. Uh, un unless it's like, of course, like a legal, uh, legal and necessary or anything. Yeah, makes lots of sense. And you guys don't even collect information on your users other than, you know, where to ship the product. So that'd be really, really difficult. 
no matter what they ask for. And I think that's the exactly. great thing about non-custodial wallets. Exactly. We, we even like sometimes have uh, like those cases where, uh, you know, somebody needs some information from us and, you know, we say the safest data, data is the one that you don't have. And that's, that's what, what um, that's our own case. We actually delete everything after 90 days. So we don't really like from like the users that, that buy products from our site. So we don't, we don't have their data. So it can't really be stolen from us. Um, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> At least within the 90 days. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great to know. And as far as like the exchange features within Trezor Suite, if centralized exchanges were to, you know, cut off all hardware wallets, for example, do you have decentralized exchange partners so the ecosystem can still keep rolling? Yeah. Uh, we are actually implementing some uh, decentralized exchanges as well, uh, which, is, which is exciting. So that's definitely you know, an option there as well. And like I said, there's still um, like a peer-to-peer transaction that happened in Bitcoin. And so there are other use cases, not just like trading on exchanges. So so where, you know, Chazer is still like super relevant product uh, to keep like your Bitcoin safe. What other features in the Bitcoin ecosystem that are in development by third parties right now have you really excited that maybe you... Hope to integrate into Trezor someday. Uh, I would say um, the one that is the most exciting that we that we are working on is the coin that I already already mentioned because that really helps. You know, Bitcoin uh, is of course it's anonymous in a way that you cannot really tell like who owns which address and which public keys uh, belongs to whom. But this thing gets more complicated when when there is KYCs uh, on the exchanges that you mentioned involved, and then through the Bitcoin uh, through the blockchain analysis, all of a sudden you can uh, you know like identify certain individuals, uh, and that's something that we uh, that we don't like. It's not it's not what the product is about. It's it's just the opposite. We want to give the users as much privacy as we can. And, and the coin join uh, that we plan to implement later this year uh, is actually helping in a, in a major way um, and makes it close to impossible for the blockchain analysis to, to tell uh, who <laughs> basically who, whose address is, you know, what and, and, and stuff like that. And that's really great, especially when you consider, you know, what was going on in Canada and they're literally like, sending physical letters to all these wallet companies saying, you know, we demand you freeze customer funds and this and that and whatnot. And, you know, don't even let these people track your funds, uh, which is highly illegal in the first place, majorly unethical. Um, And just because these people make the laws doesn't mean they're right or good. So yeah, glad we have tools to combat a lot of that stuff. Well, before we let you go, uh, just a couple more questions for you. Besides anyone working at Trezor or, you know, any of your, you know, direct investments, you know, who's someone that you really admire in the space that, you know, really inspires you to keep doing what you're doing? I mean, it will sound extremely cheesy, but I, I get to work with with people who actually founded the hardware wallet industry. The ones that, that came up with these standards that are now used, uh, you know, all around across the, across the whole industry. And that's the founders of Trezor. <laughs> Again, I, I know 
it sounds cheesy, but uh, they are really super inspiring people. They they are super humble as well. So uh, it's 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 what actually got me into the company uh, and what kept me going and what kind of keeps me inspiring every day. Because when I see the roadmap that we are working on, it's it's like really we are ch- changing the world from you know from Czech, Czech Republic. It's a small country in the middle of Europe. Um, the world hasn't really heard of us, I guess, <laughs> that much. Uh, and we are changing that in a major way. And that's, I'm really proud of that. I'm really, really proud of that. That's awesome. Um, and lastly, can you leave us with some security best practices of what we should do to keep our crypto safe in addition to storing our keys in a hardware wallet? Yeah, DLDR, uh, don't keep your funds on exchanges with them on hardware wallet. Preferably Chessor, but if you, for some reason, <laughs> fancy some other hardware wallet, do that, please. And don't keep the funds on, on the exchanges. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, we also implemented features such as Store, so uh, it also helps, uh, you know, to, um, so people can track where, where you, like, browsing from, uh, check your, I guess, uh, computers for malware and stuff like that. So... I would say like, yeah, it's, it's a set of things to try to stay private in a way uh, and secure by, by, uh, by having some, I would say like online hygiene that is, that is the right and that works for you the best. All right. Well, thank you very much, Matej. This has been a great conversation. Where can people follow you to learn more about what you're doing uh, and what Trezor is building? So everything Trezor related would be fine on Trezor, uh, Trezor the Dial. That's, that's our homepage and we, we are actually building a new one. So in, in a couple of months, you will see a new fancy <laughs> site. Uh, and there are links to, you know, our blogs that are, I would say, a uh, really great source of information around, uh, our products, but, but basically like a user's security and privacy in general. And for me personally, I'm mostly, I guess, active on LinkedIn. <laughs> or uh, if you just Google around, you'll probably find my Twitter as well. But I'm not the, like, uh, like the most engaged user there. <laughs> Very well. Uh, one more best practice that I want to mention is make sure you go to Trezor.io to buy your Trezor. Don't go to Amazon. Don't <laughs> buy it from any third-party resellers because you never know if it's been tampered with or the keys have been stolen. Very, very critical to make sure that that security tape is in place and you're getting something that's authentic and new. And really the only place you can trust is the factory. So once again, that's treasure.io. Thank you, Aaron. My pleasure. All right, everyone, that concludes this episode. We will see you later this week with another one. Thank you, Crypt Nation. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.